I'm Hannah. I'm Caitlin. I'm Leah. And, and this, this is Read Me Maybe. This episode we're going to discuss Whisper to Me by Nick Lake, a Michael Prince award-winning author for In Darkness. So this book is really a fantastic read and uh, very unexpected. It's kind of deals with a topic that's not frequently dealt with, but that is an emerging trend in YA literature, and that's mental illness from the first-person perspective of the person um, struggling with the illness. Our main character, Cassie DeMatteo, has a traumatic event that leads to her hearing voices. Really just one voice. But it tells her to do all sorts of things, all sorts of self-harm things and compulsive actions and a lot of different things. And it really takes over her life. This uh, happens right around the start of summer, which incidentally is when a couple of boys move into the apartment above her garage um, that her father rents out. And one of them is extremely intriguing and the voice is quiet around him. So this book follows her during the summer of meeting some new people, dealing with this experience that colors every aspect of her interactions and daily life. And uh, it's kind of about her coming to terms with a lot of issues and traumatic things in her past, as well as developing this summer romance. Um, But through it all, having this sinister issue of, you know, not being able to actually trust necessarily all of her experiences as she's having them. There are some just amazing characters in it, and it was really a truly enjoyable read. So I'm just going to read off one of the first pages in the books. Um, These are the things you need to know. One, I hear voices. Two, I miss you. Three, I wish I could take back what I did to you. Four, what they said in the news, what they said I did, it's not true. You don't have to worry about that. Five, I'm going to write it all down, all about Paris and why I broke your heart, and then I'm going to email it to you. It will take you... I don't know, a couple of days to read, so I will be waiting for you at 5 p.m. Friday by the windmill pole of Pirate Golf on Pier 1, where we played that one time. If you forgive me when you're done reading this, come and get me, okay? I think of this as the most screwed-up love letter ever. I hope you come. This isn't a thing you need to know. It's just true. I hope you do. I hope that when you've read this, you'll understand why I did what I did. Okay, so the structure of this book is... A little bit unique from a lot of the other things we've been reading. Um, It is a letter from the protagonist to another character. And so you really get a lot of first-person viewpoint. Leah, what was your favorite thing about the structure? I really loved the uh, meta-commentary that Cassie had on her own experiences. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) as she's recounting these experiences to um, this boy in the the, um, email or whatever, she is talking about what she was actually thinking during it and how she wishes she would have responded. And then she also like inserts some sarcastic comments about it. You know, like those moments when you're like very awkward at first when you meet and you're like, how are you? I am okay. How are you? You know, (laughs) And like, then she'll insert a thing, you know, some kind of parenthetical comment. That's just hilarious. She's like, ah, yes, the pinnacle of human interaction, pure Shakespeare right here. You know? (laughs) And I just thought that was hilarious. But it's also interesting because she explicitly tells us that this is her story as she is telling it, Mm -hmm. but that it may not be wholly truthful or maybe what other people would remember Mm -hmm. about it. She's honest Um, about not being completely reliable because from her point of view. Yeah. And I really like that as a narrative structure 
all the commentary on it to really make you think about things as you're reading them. Mm -hmm. And especially with the added layer of hearing voices and describing the um, feeling of hearing those voices and how she reacts to the things around her and Mm -hmm. how the voice reacts and like it helps you really think about what parts of the book might be true for her but might not be true for other characters Mm -hmm. and it's it's really interesting because it made me read more closely Mm -hmm. to try to spot any kind of inconsistencies or layers or hints yeah that things are maybe you know corroborating her feelings or maybe they're not um, I really liked the structure a lot. I had trouble kind of believing that she like sat down at her computer and wrote this entire thing mm-hmm. out in a letter. I mean, I liked that it was in a letter because some of the scenes that maybe she could have gone into more detail, she didn't because they weren't maybe necessary to the story or, you know, the guy she's writing to was there for it. Great point. Yeah. 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 So the romance wasn't as flushed out as it could have been. I don't know. I liked it. I like the structure. Yeah. I think it was an interesting way to see, like, her going through her, like, her mental illness and, like, mm-hmm. the way she was looking at what was happening to her. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I liked it a lot also because it allowed for different emphases at mm-hmm. different parts of the book, like being able to put certain things in lists and then commenting on those lists or, like, uh, describing white noise as percent signs over and over, you know, for a mm-hmm. whole page. Or just having a page with only one word on it. Yeah. Like, that was, that really offered a lot of unique emphasis to certain points or thoughts, I felt like. Yeah, and if you just thumb through the book, it's real weird looking. Like, <laughs> like what it is. <laughs> well, did you guys have strong feelings about the fact that it is a letter, but you are reading it as the recipient who is her love interest, so you read a lot of, you were doing this, you were doing this, but it's kind of directed at you as the reader, because it's not something that I have ever read in a YA novel before, but I've seen it in a lot of, like, fan fiction, and a lot of fan fiction on Tumblr especially, that's, like, really popular right now, is these little short stories where... Especially, it's like, you know, your celeb crush, and they're, you know, having breakfast with you, the reader. So that's like a thing now. But did you guys have any strong feelings about reading it from that vantage point? I was into it. I mean, I don't know. It was a little weird. <laughs> it all LOL to the celeb crush and everything, like... I don't know <laughs> about this, but I want to know about this. <laughs> totally a because, fandom no, thing. Here I'm just like imagining, I'm like, and Ryan Gosling cooks you breakfast, yeah. and he perfectly makes your eggs yeah. easy over just like you like them. Yeah. And Ryan Gosling serves you. Oh, yeah. Like, it kind of sucks you in in, like, a weird way that's unexpected because it's not how most novels read. I'm a fan of it. Um, <laughs> and maybe that's just, maybe that's just my slight, like, fan fiction girl no, side that's, that's fine, yeah. um but yeah I kind of I feel like it okay. kind of sucks me in and makes me feel more a part of the story than just an outside watcher so I kind of like it and it's different which okay. is always cool for me I usually hate second person like writing mm-hmm. like that like hate it it actually takes me out of the story generally oh. um I, I don't know why like I think maybe I think for a couple reasons. I think first off, because I'm not used to reading it. Mm -hmm. So I like get my mindset of I'm reading a book, a fiction book, whatever, a fantasy book. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, like there's all these yous and I'm like, why are they talking to me? I'm not experiencing (laughs) breakfast with Ryan Gosling right now. Stop it. book, You know, but (laughs) but, that's fair. So there's that. Like, so maybe I'm like not used to it. And then also like, I get really like, um, 
I probably just take things too literally. And I'm like, well, that's not happening to me. This is just completely ruining my suspension of disbelief. I think it worked really well in this mm-hmm. book. I love it. Um, there's another book that I read somewhat recently. Well, uh, I think maybe last year or something was Julie Berry's All the Truth That's in Me. And that was also the same okay. kind of structure telling a story, telling about all these events to um, a character addressed as you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you didn't know it at the time, but I was this, and I saw you, and mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Um, and that one worked pretty well, but it was a little bit, like, it was kind of almost on the edge for me. <laughs> I was like, you're saying you don't know a whole yeah. lot. But yeah, I don't think I would want to read it in every way, but I read. I think it would mm-hmm. get really tiresome mm-hmm. fast. But I do find it refreshing once in a while. Yeah, no, the novelty aspect is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, most, I mean, it's difficult to write well, yeah. so a lot of people don't do it. That's true. Which Caitlin, you look like you have feelings on this. I just, this book was really, <laughs> this book was really hard to read. I, I read it in two days, but I hated myself for reading it in two days. Like, I feel like I should have taken longer to read it. Or, like, every, everything that was happening was just so terrible, and I would just... I, yeah. I didn't want to see our, like, our protect. I didn't want to see Cassie go through that. I yeah. was just like, yeah. no, this is, like, too much. But that was more about the things that were happening than the structure, right? Yeah. Like, it wasn't no. because of the way it was written that made it hard to read. But it was a really intense read. No, yes. I would say that the way that it was written informed how I read it. And okay. that, like, I That's felt fair. like I was, I don't know, it seemed more intense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's kind of a hallmark of YA novels, right? The intensity of relationships, the intensity of experiences. Um, I mean, there's a lot going on there. And I think that that really works frequently because of the intensity of the adolescent experience. Every day feels like a week because you don't have, like, the same kind of situation. Like, as an adult, you're more... You have a lot of different things going on, right? You're balancing work and all of these different relationships and Mm -hmm. bills and like also you know your identity and what you want to do with yourself and this and that but adolescence is just super intense oh yeah so all these relationships even if you only know someone for a few weeks you can instantly be best friends or instantly fall in love like yeah and it it's it does like the feelings are real and the feelings are there and intense and even if it flames out in another few weeks Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that it was some kind of puppy love or we should be dismissive of it. Yeah. Because it really is that kind of true, deep experience. Everything is just so compressed mm-hmm. there. I mean, it takes me like a year and a half to find a good hairdresser. So <laughs> <laughs> I like, I'm trying to imagine my high school self going through that same situation. And I guess it, I yeah. don't know what I'm saying with that <laughs> I don't know that no, I, I get it. It's like, we're, we're kind of distanced from that yeah. now. But it's, I feel like that. Uh, people are dismissive of teens a lot yes. uh, about about this topic, about saying that they, you know, they feel so strongly about this thing. And other people are like, no, you don't. <laughs> you know? And yes. that's super unfair because don't tell someone they're not feeling what they're feeling. That's super dismissive. And that's I mean, a hard thing. What, what adults really mean, of course, is you won't always feel like this. Yes. You know, your feelings will change. You have not experienced a wide range of people and places and you are young yeah all of that but it boils down to a really dismissive sentiment which is unfair because these feelings are real and this is the 
experience of many teens. Oh, yeah. Everything just seems so vital when you're a teenager. Yeah, it I does. mean, school is the most important, like, doing well in school, getting into a college, like, everything is just so... Social standing among your peers. Yeah, that. Yeah. Um, and your world is so small. I mean, it's it bigger is. now with social media, but you still have these people that you see every day you're trapped in a classroom with. They're the core of your world, whether True. or not you like them. It's a pressure cooker. Yeah. Pressure cooker of life in high school. <laughs> it's true. I would not go back for anything. Oh um, we're talking about intensity and everything, and that definitely applies here with a couple characters. First off, Paris, who Cassie really only knows for a matter of a few weeks. Possibly yeah, a month, Paris whatever. is a girl she meets at a hospital mm-hmm. um, who's going through some treatment from the same doctor. Uh-huh. And she meets Cassie, and they just have. She kind of takes her under her wing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, but Paris is really this larger than life personality. Yes, who is very like caring and compassionate, but also very mercurial and just very impulsive. Then when Paris is not in Cassie's life, there's this whole issue where people tell Cassie, "Well, you didn't even really know her." Yes. But she did, you know? That yeah. They, they shared a lot Yeah, about themselves. I kind of saw both sides of that coin, yeah. though. Like, she did only know her a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, her roommate had known her for years. Yeah. I, But again, a lot can happen if, in a few weeks, yeah. especially yeah. when you're a teenager, so... Well, it was know. a valid thing for people to think because they weren't a part of that relationship. And I mean, and Cass, she's bonded very intensely with Paris mm-hmm. because of the nature of her situation, which was very isolating. Yes. Um, not just the uh, mental illness, but also mm-hmm. her past tragedies and traumas in her life have yes. really, like, come together to yeah. isolate her. Paris yeah. did a really good, great job of just sitting Cassie down and being like, there's something going on. This isn't, this isn't what you think it is. You think this maybe is the voice of a dead foot you found, but actually it's being created by something else and you need to, like, look at Mm-hmm. what's going you need to find what did this yeah that was one of my favorite things about the book all the realistic touchstones yeah in it people not just going along with harebrained schemes mm-hmm. kind of thing you know yes like no running off on a wild road trip just because and throwing caution to the wind in those ways yes it was very like no that's really impulsive i'm not going to do that from secondary yeah. characters when you know normally in why books like you have this character that just serves to further the plot by saying, well, why the hell not to some yes. crazy scheme? Well, and you don't have that that random FBI agent who just, you know, very conveniently accidentally leaves out the folder with all of the core clues to the case right? on the yeah. kitchen table as they leave or the case. Or like, like, explicitly gives away, yes. you know, classified details. Or yes. No, all the, like, law enforcement agents were being very, like, realistic and be like, uh, sorry, I'm not going to share details. I yes. am not going to share details. I am not. You are asking me to violate Actually, the fortunes sh- of my job. I'm going to share a few details. There is a serial murderer in this town that they're living in who's murdering mostly sex workers mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in the town, and it's driving away tourism, and Cassie's, like, taking it upon herself to kind of figure out yeah. who is committing these crimes after she finds the remains of one of the victims. So, which is kind of clearly, what catapults this whole journey is finding yes. this severed foot on the beach, which happens in the first chapter, so it's not a spoiler. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, clearly not a, like, a healthy reaction to finding a dead foot, no. <laughs> like a foot of somebody that has been murdered, but, yes. you know, she's not in a great place, so. 
Yeah. Of course that's her reaction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So what did you think about the believability of some of it then, um, given... For instance, there are a lot of references to literature, to Greek myth, to um, poetry, and um, a little bit obscure uh, music and different things mm. like that. How did you feel about the believability of that? I mean, I will, I've will. i said this before and I'll say it again. There is nobody as pretentious as a high school student in AP mm-hmm. English. Like, I would just throw that out there. Yes. <laughs> Maybe not even AP English. I just, no, AP English is exactly yeah. the one to go with there. The the only more, like, is, like, a, a college freshman English major. Oh, my God. Yes. My favorite dude, book is dude, Catcher in the Rye yeah. and On the oh. Road. Oh, my God. And Anne Rand is just, like, everything. Yeah, so. All of those. <laughs> so, but, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Like, smart high school students. Mm-hmm. So pretentious. Yeah. Just... I was always like a little bit too dumb to be the pretentious teenager. <laughs> I was like the dumb kid in the AP class, but yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Best revenge is your paper, y'all. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Best revenge is your paper. Who are you? <laughs> I mean, I feel like the references were like a little bit, it was, it was not like heavy handed, but it was a shade too far. <laughs> but like I ate it up. I loved yeah. it. And I loved all the references to Greek myths, and, like, mm-hmm. I loved really just talking about, um, for instance, the library. Oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. Okay. Yes. Nick, like, totally just did a huge shout-out to libraries and librarians in Absolutely. this book. It was, like, total, total pandering. Yes. Yeah. It was, like, I know my audience here, folks. And he did. And I'm a scene. I'm a, like, just throw them a bone. Oh, my God. Little juicy bun. Was it lit? It was. It was lit. <laughs> so lit. Okay. So some context. Cassie was a was a teen that just like spent a lot of time at the library, mm-hmm. and we love teens who spend a lot of time at the library. Yeah, especially I love my teens when they have like good reading taste. So absolutely. Um, Cassie would go to the library a lot. She was super close to the librarian. They'd always like talk about books. She'd get reading suggestions from her librarian, and the librarian actually played a role, a small role in the book. Um, but she ended up calling Cassie's father. I think, did he call, did she call her father or an ambulance? I forget. Uh, she wanted to call an ambulance and Cassie wouldn't let her. Yeah. Um, so Jane called a cab, but then also called Cassie's yes. father. Yeah, Small but I, crucial role. She, Very crucial role because that mm-hmm. really set off the getting Cassie home. Yes. Yeah. No, she was attentive and, you know, helped change the, the course of Cassie's mm-hmm. mental yeah. illness and like how it was being acknowledged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just so important, like important, in when you do work with teens or really anybody, mm-hmm. to just like be attentive of what's going on yeah. around you. Yeah. Um. But definitely loved. I like it was believable. The believability of her referencing like mythology and literature was made more believable by the fact that she like was a big reader. Let's talk a bit about the romance in this book. Okay. Yeah. Ugh. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Okay, would you care to elaborate? (laughs) Yes, let me elaborate on that syllable. I think Cassie read too much into her interactions with this guy, whoever he is. We're going to call him Mark for today. (laughs) So Mark, the unnamed boy in the story... They have these, like, short conversations, and I really think Cassie reads way too much into them, personally. But, I mean, who knows? Maybe he was being, like, super verbose in his mind. Um, she never, like, tried to talk about, like, his thoughts in their words. Mm -hmm. She just assigned thoughts to him, like, 
God, this girl is crazy for not showing any emotion and being really weird about how she responds. Yeah. Like, I I don't know. I get what you're saying, and I think there could be truth to it, but I do think that he was pretty into her, as yeah. evidenced by him randomly showing up all the time to try to give her rides to yeah, places. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. And, like, she was, like, really interesting. Yes. You know, you, you I can think tell that someone's intrigued. different and very interesting, especially when they're yeah. well read. Take notes, <laughs> all of you out there. Yeah. I mean, it's totally possible Drop that, it's, you reference. know, she kind of, like, thought too much into it, but I do think he was into her. Like, well, I, I mean, agree yeah. with that. Unless he just never shows up at the end. One of the big things that we all, I think, really liked about this book is mm-hmm. the way in which it portrayed the mental illness mm-hmm. that Cassie was going through. She was hearing a voice in her head. It was telling her to harm herself, harm the people around her, um, and, you know, in very convincing ways, she would be walking down the street and it would tell her to slap her face three times. If she tried talking to anybody or doing anything that she wanted to be doing, like reading at home, it would tell her to harm herself and, like, in just, like, a very believable way. Well, it would threaten the people she cared about. It would tell her that bad things would happen to the people she cared about if she didn't comply. Yeah. Um, it wasn't just a do this and she did it. It definitely kind of... Very much threatening. Yes. Her. Very, very threatening. I just, I really like the way in which mental illness was portrayed in this book because so often we're faced, you know, in libraries, in just really any public service that you do, mm-hmm. um, you're going to see people that rea- have reactions and behaviors that are not normal to you. It's good to read stories like this and understand what people may be going through because when you see behaviors that are strange or foreign to you, you can kind of reframe what's happening to better understand why it's happening. And I think this book did a really good job of explaining how somebody who hears a voice is reacting to situations. They don't well they don't make sense to me. And yes. It's for a reason. I'm not going through what they're going through. Yeah, this is definitely a window book in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you never know what someone else was going through. But this gives a really great depiction of what this particular character yeah. hearing voices was going Well, and through. how hard it is. I mean, it even talks about, you know, at one point they tried to treat it with medicine, and that's still a horrible experience. Like, the voice maybe, you know, doesn't affect her as much, but the rest, like, the medicine affects her horribly. Yeah. It's just a good reminder that... You can't just, like, Say, tell take someone medicine. take like, a medication yeah. or whatever. It, the, there's or more to it. Tra- when they just, like, go off of their medication without consulting a mm-hmm. doctor. Yes. There's, yeah, there's so much more to yes. it. And there are multiple levels to yeah. getting healthy. Yeah, and that's not always discussed a lot. It's mm-hmm. um, Fangirl, Rainbow Rowell touches on it a little uh, bit with the father. Uh, I know, it's the best yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. But he talks about that. He talks about the, her dad talks about the medicine making him feel slow and fuzzy. Mm-hmm. Um, and Risperidol in this uh, one, that's the medication, ref- one of the medications referenced that Cass is supposed to be taking. And um, she says it just makes her unable to really think and completely lethargic. She doesn't have any interest in anything. Mm-hmm. She just wants to sleep, not eat, not anything. And that's that's not like a reasonable... It's it's not a it's not a good quality of life. It's yeah, not a good no. quality of life. And you know she's young, and she's got a life a lot of life ahead of her. And yeah. like to P- Paris, the the bestie in this book, does a really great thing in like 
saying, you know, there are other methods to getting well, Mm -hmm. um, you know, see your doctor, take your medication, Mm -hmm. but maybe explore like this, this group that Mm -hmm. she's going to, um, in the back of a bowling alley of all places. (laughs) Um, but it was, you know, it was good to see that there are people who like care about Cassie and were willing to like take steps. Work with her and acknowledge what's happening rather than trying to just ignore it. Yeah. Yes. Like, not just acknowledge it, but, like, acknowledge it as a part of her, not some kind of, like, awfulness that just eclipses her altogether, you know? Yes. She is not her mental illness. It's just something that she has. Yeah, it's something she's going through and dealing with. And Mm -hmm. Paris, of course, was able to really, just really relate to her and talk Mm -hmm. to her and ask her about her life and all of that, you know? Which again speaks to that intensity of their friendship. If Kathy found someone who was going through something similar. So it's kind of a wrap up. What was your favorite thing about the book, Hannah? My favorite thing about the book is probably that it it wasn't what I was expecting just based off of reading the book jacket and the like looking at the cover. I thought it was going to be like a like maybe like an angsty kind of teen beach romance and it was not that. And at first I was like, no, no, do not like. <laughs> and then, cause I, you know, I was like, I was like, no, this went, this went totally the wrong direction. And then I, you know, read a couple more pages and I was like, oh, I hate this, but I love it. I love it so much. I mean, the front of the book is called Whisper to Me and the subtext is like, however loud life gets, you can always hear love. So when I heard like Whisper yeah. to Me, I was like, bounce, you go, wow, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Ready for like a summer beach read. And then it was like, nope. Yeah. Yeah, jokes on you. I mean, now we have an arc, so I don't know what the final jacket and marking looked like. I think it looked like the arc, but um, yeah, definitely a little. I mean, I have to say, here's the thing though: on the front, it's blurbed by Jennifer Niven of All the Bright Places, (laughs) and if you've read all the like all the bright places, you're like, oh shit, oh. I know where this is going. But if you haven't, <laughs> That's true. if you haven't, you're kind of like, oh, it's a summer, you know, beachy romance. Yeah. It is not. I mean, just read the back cover. Yeah, read the back cover. <laughs> I read the first couple pages you and you'll be like, oh, this is different than what I thought it was. Amazing book. Awesome yes. book. But like, not, like, it's, it's definitely intense. It is not fluff by yeah, any no. means. I think we'll definitely see some awards for this one. What was your favorite thing, Leah? Probably all of the literary references. I mean, pretentious, yes. Still loved it. Particularly the Greek myth um, references and elements. That's always a big thing for me. I love that. Mm -hmm. Caitlin, what about you? What did you really enjoy about it? I don't know. I never would have picked this book up if it weren't for us recording, like, reading it for the podcast, which, thanks for that. Super devastating book. (laughs) 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 We need to... We need to let's read some happier stuff. Yeah. Right? Okay. I I really did enjoy this book. I read it in two days, even though I like just wanted it to be over. Um, but I'm I'm excited to read more Nick Lake. So uh, read alikes. Yes. So mine would be Falling Into Place by Amy Zhang, um, which came out in 2014, I think, at the beginning, or maybe it was 2015 but it is all about suicide. Um, and the main character is basically contemplating suicide. And the take on mental illness is really interesting because she's not suicidal in 
the way you would normally imagine. She's not really depressed. Um, she's not like manic. She just kind of has this sort of indifference to everything and just decides why keep going. So the book is all about kind of leading up to her final decision on whether or not she goes through with it and kind of the aftermath of her choices leading up to that point. Um, but it just, it really, really spoke to me, um, how kind of anticlimactic her emotions were compared to all the different things that kind of happened to her while she's making these decisions. Um, so it was definitely interesting and a different take on sort of suicidal thoughts. So the book I'm going to pick for this topic is Forgive Me, Leonard Peacock by Matthew Quick. In this book, our main character, like the main character is having these suicidal thoughts. He is being bullied at school and he basically just wants to take a gun to school and shoot the kid, like one kid in particular. Um, in one of his classes, his teacher tells him to write stories from his future self. And he does that in a way that is hilarious and heartbreaking. But it's a really, it's a really tough read. It's a really great read. And it's one that I would love to recommend to somebody, but I don't really know who. <laughs> so to all of you listeners. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely. Forgive me, Leonard Peacock. Certainly an intense one as well. So I'm going to recommend Challenger Deep by Neil Schusterman. So this one won the National Book Award this past year. It's a depiction of a teen struggling with um, schizophrenia and hallucinations and kind of this life where things are, some things are real, some things are not real, but everything feels real. Mm -hmm. And it's a really fantastic portrayal. The um, author actually wrote this book somewhat in conjunction with his son, Brendan, who was the inspiration for the book. Brendan's struggle with schizophrenia served to inspire it, and there's some um, artwork by Brendan, and so it's really a fantastic, fantastic story, um, very, very much a book about um, this one teen's struggle with mental illness from the inside. Very insightful portrayal. So in conclusion, Nick Lake, we appreciate you. We enjoyed your book. It's not what I thought it was going to be, but it was excellent. And I just have to say, very deceiving cover. Keep it up. <laughs> yes, way to trick people. I'm kind of into that kind of trolling lately, so excellent, <laughs> excellent. Yeah, you really uh, did great. Threw us a curveball there. <laughs> great book, awesome writing. Yes. Much read. Wow. <laughs> so good. <laughs> And this is the Read Me Maybe podcast. The Read Me Maybe podcast is a collaborative effort of Leah Wyand, Caitlin Seagraves, and Hannah Moore. You can find us on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram with the username Hey I Just Read You. You can also find us online at HeyIJustReadYou.com.